Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. Amen. Well, one of the things we've been doing on Wednesday nights throughout this year is we have been covering the book of Acts. It's a verse-by-verse journey through the book of Acts. And we're going to get cover a lot of space today and set up for next week when I believe we're going to finish our journey through the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts, we've been calling the series Faith, Experiences, and Expansions. One of the things we didn't learn from the history of the early church in the book of Acts, you know, they had faith experiences and they expanded. And so we left off last time talking about how Paul knew on the inside that he was heading towards trouble. He was heading towards resistance. He was heading towards issues from different groups of people. And we talked about, well, why would Paul do this? One of the things we understood from studying Paul's life as recorded in the book of Acts is Paul is a brilliant man. He is a strategist, and he believes in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we looked in last week Paul's strategy. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch part 22 of this series, and you understand more of Paul's strategy. But I'll recap a part of it. We find it in Romans 15, 30. And it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my servants which are half for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may be with you refreshed. Notice Paul's prayer request. He says, I want you to work together with me in your prayers, for that I'll be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, that my service may be received of the saints in Jerusalem, and that I may come unto you by the will of God, and with you may be refreshed. So Paul's praying to be delivered from the people in Judea. You don't pray to be delivered if you don't expect problems to show up. So he knew problems were going to show up. The Holy Ghost had already warned him that there were problems ahead of him. And so he wrote to the church at Rome, said, I want you to pray for me that I'd be delivered from those who are going to try to do things against me in Judea. I want you to pray that the ministry and the service and the donation, the charity I have for the saints of Jerusalem will be received. Then I want you to pray that I make it to you in Rome and all together will be refreshed when I get there. So this is what Paul asked the church at Rome to pray. So as we go through these few chapters today, I want you to remember that the church at Rome is praying. And while the church of Rome was praying, God is doing some wonderful things. Some of the things we're also going to see in some of the passages we're going to read today is politics. Some people complain about politics today. Politics has always been there. And part of what Paul's going to go through is different political officials doing different political things for political reasons. But through this whole time, the church at Rome is praying. So let's look at it in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 23, verse 12. And it says, When it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would not eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there are more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Now, you may have some haters in your life. You may have some people who don't like you. But you've never had 40 people get together and say, We're not going to eat any Chick-fil-A until we kill you. And so one of the things you see here is that they came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we'll eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain, he was the one in charge of where Paul was being held, that he would bring him down to you tomorrow as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we or ever he come near are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son, that's Paul's nephew, 
heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Pauls, remember I told you the church at Rome is praying. It just so happened that Paul's little nephew heard the plot against his life. How could he even be in a situation where he happened to overhear what these men were planning when they go to the chief elders and the priests? The church at Rome is praying. And so Paul's nephew goes and tells Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man to the chief captain, for he has a certain thing to tell him. So he took him, brought him to the chief captain, and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me that to bring this young man unto you, who has something to say unto you. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went aside with him privately and asked him, What is it you have to tell me? So think about this. The chief captain can say, I don't have time to talk to this little kid. I don't want to know what he has to say. But this little kid has favor in the eyes of the chief captain. What's one of the reasons? The church at Rome is praying. And so we see here, the young man begins to tell. And he said, the Jews have agreed and desire you that you would bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they require somewhat of him more perfectly. But don't yield to them, for they lie in wait for him more than 40 men which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready looking for a promise from you. So the chief captain then let the young men depart and charge them. See that you tell no man that you've showed me these things. And he called on some two centurions and said, Make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen three score and ten. So 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen at the third hour of the night and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. So notice what this chief captain does. He calls two centurions and says, Get your 100 men apiece. Get 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. Now put Paul in the middle and give him a donkey or give him a beast so he doesn't have to walk there. And we're going to make sure Paul gets there safely and we're going to take him in the middle of the night. Paul is now one of the most protected men in the Roman Empire. How are all these things coming together? The church at Rome was praying. And he wrote a letter after this manner, said, Claudius, let's see this, unto the most excellent governor Felix sends greetings. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have known whereof they accused him, I brought him forth unto the council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to you and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee that what they had against him farewell then the soldiers as it was commanded took paul and brought him by the night to antipatris on the morrow they left the horsemen to go with them and return to the castle who when they came to caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor presented paul also before him and when the governor had read the letter he asked of what province he was and he understood that he was of cilicia he says i will hear thee said he when your accusers are also come and he commanded him to be kept in herod's judgment Hall. Herod's Judgment Hall was also known as the palace. And so now we're about to see more and more politics at work. Acts 24 verse 1. And after five days, Ananias the high priest descended with the elders and with a certain order named Tertullus who informed the governor against Paul. So notice who the chief priests bring in to make their case in order. Someone who's known for the way he could string words together and present their case persuasively. 
And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. Notice he's laying on really thick. He's telling the governor, oh, you do so many great things for us. We enjoy peace in this land because of you. You know, what happened to God giving their nation peace? But it says, governor, we have peace because of you. We have all these good things because of you. And we accept it always in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, which is not so because there were riots all throughout that area. But he's laying it on thick so that Felix will do what he wants him to do. He says, notwithstanding that I not be further tedious unto you. Notice all the words he's stringing together. I pray thee that you would hear us of your clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Nazarenes is one of the things they refer to Christians as in those days. Who also has gone about to profane the temple. Whom we took and would have judged according to our law, but the chief captain, let's see, came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands. Remember how Tertullus and Orator is doing it. Every word has emphasis. He is laying it on with great political prowess to get Felix to listen to him. Commanding his accusers to come unto you by examining of whom yourself may take knowledge of all these things wherever we accuse him. And the Jews also ascended, saying these things were so. So all the chief priests and the elders, everybody who came with the two, they said, yeah, yeah, what he said is right. What he said is true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're all in agreement against Paul. Then Paul, after the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that you have been of many years a judge in this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that you may understand that there are yet twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which I, they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms, as charities, as donations to my nation, and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult who ought to have been here before thee and objected that had ought against me. Remember, the people who started their first riot, these were Jews from Asia. They saw Paul in the temple. They stirred up the riot. But these Jews didn't even turn up to hear Paul accused. And Paul said, if they had something against me, they should be here themselves to accuse me. Paul goes on and says, who ought to have been here before thee and objected that ought against me, or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice, that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, that way is another thing that what Christianity was called in those days. He had more perfect, he had more understanding concerning it. He knew what Paul was referring to. He deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or to come to him. So although Paul is under house arrest in Herod's palace, 
People can come talk to him, go freely, bring to him what he needs, minister unto him, fellowship with him, spend time with him. So Paul is under house arrest, but he's in the palace, and he has favor and liberty to be with his people. Notice when all these things are going on, the church at Rome is praying. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, so she was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he, Paul, reason of righteousness, temperance, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Paul is just having a conversation with Felix and his wife. And as he's sharing these things, this governor, this mighty man of Roman power begins to tremble and answered, Go away for a little while. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you again. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Whereof he sent him the oftener and communed with him. So one of the reasons Felix wanted to talk to Paul because he's hoping that Paul would give him a bribe to let him go free. So Felix was known for taking bribes. And so he asked Paul to come to talk to him because he's hoping at one of these meetings, Paul was going to give him some money. Now, Paul was known for having money. Paul was connected to a lot of churches that raised money to give this offering. So he figured out somehow Paul can get some money to me. And if Paul gives me some money, if he gives me a bribe, bribe I'll let him go. And so he thought Paul wasn't giving bribe, but Paul kept giving him the gospel. But notice verse 27, but after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Felix, because he wanted to please the Jews politically, he left Paul in chains. And it says, two years go by. So now Paul's been under house arrest for two years. Now you got to think about what's going on inside of Paul. Paul, remember, he's the one who traveled all over the Middle East, all over different parts of Europe. He's used to being on the go, but now he's stuck in the same place, in the same room, the same area, for two full years. Acts 25. Now when Festus was coming to the province, after three days, when he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem, then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him, that he would send him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly there. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, remember, politics, answered Paul and says, Where you go up to Jerusalem, and there be judge of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as you very well know. He said, You know I didn't do anything wrong. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there are none of these things, wherever these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Has he appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar you shall go. So one of the things you have to understand is Paul, his goal was to get to Rome. Remember, Jesus told him, you're going to Rome. You're heading to Rome. That's where his mission is. He's going to Rome. So he had no business going back to Jerusalem. He didn't want to go back to Jerusalem. And one of the things you also understand is that 
one of the rights Roman citizens have, just like we have rights in the nation that we live in, Roman citizens had certain rights. One of the rights of the Roman citizen was to have their criminal case, their trial, heard before Caesar himself, and he would pass down the judgment. So when Paul said, I appeal to Caesar, he was laying hold of his rights as a Roman citizen to have Caesar himself hear his case. And so Festus said, well, if you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Verse 13, and after certain days, King Agrippa and his sister Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's case unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die, before that he is which is accused have the accusers face to face, and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come here, without delay, on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of the things I supposed, but, when, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted such a manner of questions, I asked him would he would go to Jerusalem and there be judge of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, the other name for Caesar, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you shall hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp. So you know they're entering it with all the different political heirs. They have all their royal robes on. It is a big political show. Everybody is watching as these leaders of the air come into the area with great pomp and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and the principal men of the city at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. Let's pause here for a second. Paul is about to bring his case in front of the governor, in front of a king of one of the local regions, the king's sister who had a lot of political power, but also all the chief people of the city were there. All the leaders of the soldiers were there. So Paul is about to deliver the gospel to all of these influential leaders. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitudes of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself has appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and especially before ye, O King Agrippa, that after examinations had, I might have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner not with all to signify the crimes laid against him. He said, I'm going to send him to Caesar, but I don't know what to write to Caesar about why I'm sending him. So chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Now look at what Paul is about to say. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy. Another translator says, King Agrippa, I am a happy man. He's thinking about why would Paul be happy? He's been under house arrest for two years. He had this rough thing happen, this rough thing happen. But you have to think, Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the Jews, and then to the kings of the earth. He is standing and part of the fulfillment of the words Jesus told him. He made a choice. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. 
because I shall answer for myself this day before you touching all the things wherever I'm accused of the Jews, especially because I know that you are an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. So remember before Paul's been sharing some of these things among Roman judges and governors and leaders, but now he's speaking to a Jewish king who knows the customs, who knows the background. And he says, I beseech you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews." Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Remember who he's talking about. He's preaching now, making his case to the king. He is focusing on the king while Bernice and the governor and the chief captains and all the influential people are listening to Paul's case. And he presents this question to the king. Why should it seem something that is far out for God to raise the dead? He says, I verily thought with myself that I might do Many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem and have, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly mad and crazed against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me with them which journey with me. And when they were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Pricks are also golds or the sharp farming instruments. This expression can be translated to mean it is useless for you to resist me or it only hurts you to resist my will. So imagine if you're kicking a sharp farming instrument, you are harming yourself. Jesus saying, it's only harming you to resist me. Also, it is pointless. It is useless for you to resist me. So Jesus telling Paul, it has only hurts you to resist my will, and it's useless for you to resist me. And Jesus also said, you think you're just messing with these Christians, but you're really messing with me. And Paul said, quickest conversion in history, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand up on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and those things which I will appear unto you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem through all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet or worthy for repentance. Paul said, I did what Jesus told me. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. God has a heavenly vision. He had one for Paul's life, but he has one for your life. Don't be disobedient to the heavenly vision over your life. Will you be able to say like Paul one day, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision over my life. God has a plan for your life. God has a path for your life. God has a heavenly vision for your life. And it's your job to follow God and fulfill that path. For these calls, 
For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first to rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, he still presented his case, he's still speaking to the king, Festus cried out a yell with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. You are crazy. Much learning has made you mad or made you crazy. But he says, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. But I speak forth words of truth and soberness. He's like, I haven't lost my mind. What I'm saying is true. And I'm saying it in a right mind. For the king, remember the king's right there, knows of these things before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this king was not, for this thing was not done in a corner. Then he turns from Festus to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that you believe. So now it's directed at the king. King, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe what the prophets have to say. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Notice this confession from the king. It's like, Paul, your speech right now has almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul replied, I would to God that not only you, but also everybody in this room, all those who hear me this day, the king, the governor, the chief captains, all the influential people in the city, would be like I am, a Christian, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, following the heavenly vision for my life. We're both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. So I don't want you to be in chains like me. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor of Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they are gone aside, they talk between themselves, saying, This man does nothing worthy of death or bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So Paul has presented his case most excellently before the king and the governor. But because he appealed to Caesar... They can't let him go. They have to send him to Rome. So let's pick up with chapter 27. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Adrimonium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends and to refresh himself. So they land in here, but Paul has favor. Remember when all these things are going on, the church at Rome is still praying. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we sailed over the sea of Cilicia and of Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexander sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Samo, and hardly passing it, came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not over to the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. So Paul said, I perceive. So he picked this up in his spirit. He says, in my spirit, in my heart, I have this knowing that this journey we're about to take is going to be harmful, 
to what we have in storage. It's going to be harmful to the ship, but also be harmful for our lives. So he lets that known to the centurion. But verse 11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. You've got to think about that. The centurion, he's not a believer. He's just a natural man. And this preacher, even though he likes this preacher, although this preacher has favor in his eyes, says, hey, this journey is going to be dangerous to us. This, dangerous, this journey is going to bring harm to our lives, harm to the ship, harm to all the stuff we have on the ship. But the person who owns a ship, the person who's the captain of the boat, who knows the sea, who this is his profession, says, no, this preacher doesn't know what he's talking about, will be fine. So in his natural mind, the centurion agrees with the owner of the ship. And also here's the reason why they agree with the owner of the ship, verse 12. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to part there. So more people said, hey, let's leave if by any means they may attain Phoenix and there to winter, which was a haven of Crete and lies toward the southwest and the northwest. So they said, hey, let's don't stay here. This is not a good place to spend the winter and we don't like this. This is not the accommodation we like. Let's push through a little bit further and get there. That's a good place to stay. You have to make sure that you don't override the lead of the Holy Spirit in your heart just for comfort, just because you think something is better. If you have a warning in your heart from the Holy Ghost, you listen to what the Holy Ghost has to say, even if something else looks more comfortable or has more accommodations. Paul picked it up in his spirit where the Holy Spirit was sharing with the Spirit that this is danger ahead. Danger, danger, danger. Like that old show, Danger Real Robson, Danger. Paul had that in his heart, but they did not listen to what Paul had to say. And we'll get into it next week, what they're about to run into. And as we, next week we'll be able to close out this series and I remember when we get to later chapter 27 part of chapter 28 when I was a student at Oral Roberts University about 11 years ago I walked into chapel and Oral Roberts was preaching on the campus of Oral Roberts University and he was preaching chapter 27 chapter 28 of the book of Acts sharing what to do when you're in a storm and I'm looking forward to sharing with you next time I know it's going to bless your life thank you for uh, listening to these messages if you've missed any of them I encourage you go back Start at part one and get out your Bible, get out your notes, and go through it and let the Lord talk to you about the book of Acts. Because the faith experience and the faith expansions wasn't just for back then. It is for today as well. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. You know, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app. As well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially to support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.